Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. KFI and KOST HD2. Los Angeles. Orange County. It's time for your morning wake-up call. Here's Jennifer Jones-Lee. Good morning. 10 degrees difference from getting in the car today to yesterday. We have rain on the way. We have a slight chance of showers starting tomorrow through Saturday. We are just on a weather roller coaster right now. But uh, after those temperatures got into the mid to upper 80s yesterday, some people are like, it's still March. I'll take that. I know we need the rain anyway. Welcome to your wake-up call for this Wednesday morning. I'm Jennifer Jones-Lee, and some of the stories we're watching in the KFI 24-hour newsroom. A Russian missile hit a national police building in Ukraine. This is as that 40-mile military convoy continues to close in on Ukraine's capital. And at 5.05, we'll talk with ABC's Aaron Katursky about that convoy. How close is it? More of the targets this time around seem to be areas where civilians are. So we'll get the latest from Aaron in just a few minutes. President Biden, during his State of the Union, said that he used that whole first part of his speech to talk about solidarity and support for the Ukrainian people. We'll get into that. Uh, 5.50, in fact, we'll talk with ABC's Ike Jachi. Did you hear the heckler? I couldn't tell what the person said, but now I know, and we'll break it down for you. We'll let you hear what they said, and then we'll tell you what they said. So that's all coming up. Also, if you're going to see The Batman this weekend, AMC says it's going to cost you more. I'll tell you why. But let's start with some of these stories coming out of the KFI 24-hour newsroom. Russia has renewed its attack on Ukraine's second largest city with an artillery barrage that lit up the skyline of Kharkiv with balls of fire over populated areas. Ukrainian President Zelensky says Russia's bombardment is a terror campaign. Former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense Mick Mulroy tells ABC Russia has changed their strategy as the invasion is bogged down. Looks like the Russian military is going to focus on targeting civilians as a way to cause terror and potentially advance uh, farther than they are right now. Yesterday, Russian forces destroyed a landmark in Kyiv where thousands of Jews were killed by Nazis during World War II, and the European Parliament has recommended the EU accept Ukraine's request to join the bloc. We'll see if that happens this morning. President Biden has used the first part of his first State of the Union address to pledge solidarity and support for the Ukrainian people. Did you notice everybody that was wearing blue and yellow? Um, I think that Jill Biden even had a sunflower sewn into the sleeve of her blue dress, which is Ukraine's flower. President Biden praised the Ukrainians' people's commitment to their country. He thought he could roll into Ukraine and the world would roll over. Instead, 
He met with a wall, a wall of strength he never anticipated or imagined. He met Ukrainian people. Biden also says he knows a way to fight inflation by American. The president says the country is moving out of the pandemic safely and is getting back to normalcy. He announced a new test to treat plan where if someone goes to a pharmacy and tests positive for COVID, they can get free antiviral pills right there. Now, Biden's speech was interrupted just for a moment last night by a heckler. I know. One of those. Now, we were talking, that is Colorado Republican Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, who yelled, you put them in, 13 of them. She was referring to the 13 service members who were killed during the evacuation of Afghanistan. But White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says the congresswoman shouting was ill-timed. That was the moment in the speech where the president was talking about his unity agenda and talking about priorities that we should all be able to agree on. The governor of Iowa is criticizing President Biden for leading the country on the wrong track. Kim Reynolds delivered the Republican response after the State of the Union speech last night. She accused the president of failing to make America respected and united. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy says the country's in trouble because of Biden's policies. The State of the Union is in crisis on so many fronts. We've heard about some of these things. Inflation continues to be devastating to families, energy prices. The chair of the House Republican Conference described Biden's first year as a failure and the top Republican on the House Foreign Affairs Committee called Biden a weak president in reference to Ukraine. We'll talk more about the speech at 550 with Ike Jachi. Police in L.A. have been looking over video footage near where a woman was found burning in a shopping cart. A man who police say may be involved was shown on surveillance video riding a bike shortly before the body was discovered. The body was found between Lincoln Heights and Chinatown early yesterday morning. This man owns a business in the area. He says shady activity is rare there. I've been here now five years and uh, it was pretty bad when I moved in, but recently things have been um, pretty uh pretty calm and peaceful. He attributes that to the filming industry bringing in police escorts and security. Police say the person who found the body put the flames out with an extinguisher. Blake Trolley, KFI News. Hate crimes in L.A. continue to climb. LAPD Chief Moore says he's not sure why the numbers keep going up. Those numbers are 58 hate instances this year versus 40 in 2021 versus 32 in 2020. Moore says hate crimes, which include physical violence, are also up 35% over last year. 89 hate crimes this year versus reported 66 last year and reported 56 the year before. The chief says, unfortunately, a lot of hate incidents and crimes go unreported. Steve Gregory, KFI News. 506 on your wake-up call. Let's say good morning to ABC's Aaron Katursky. Aaron, I just learned from the Associated Press that Ukraine State Emergency Service says over 2,000 civilians are dead just this week in the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. Is that what you're hearing on the ground as well? We haven't been able to independently confirm the figure, but uh, we know that civilians have increasingly been caught in the Russian bombardment. President Zelensky has accused Russia of targeting civilians or at least striking targets where civilians would be, even though the, uh, the Russians deny that they are going after civilians. They say they're focused on military and other strategic targets. But look, it's war. That's 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 what happens. And that's why hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians are now trying to escape the invading Russian army. Uh, more than 800,000, according to the United Nations, have already left the country. Yeah, I had seen a report that uh, a national police, um, I'm not sure if it was like a headquarters or a building, something like that in Kharkiv, was hit overnight. So you can tell that these 
uh, the attacks are getting closer to where the people are. Maybe they're not going after the military, but maybe they're going after police. And anywhere that the police are, you've got to assume that the people are. Well, sure. And and oftentimes these, these strategic targets are, are in and around residential areas. And so, you know, civilians bear the consequences. And even if they haven't been killed or, or injured, as we know hundreds for sure have, uh, they, they are traumatized. Uh, they are living more of their lives in basements and in bunkers. We, we heard from one doctor in the East who said that he's had to set up a maternity ward in, a, in an underground uh, parking garage or basement uh, where four women have given birth in the middle of all of this. Uh, and we've heard uh, from the UN, too, that they need emergency obstetrics help because women are giving birth in, in basements and on borders. I think that's the thing. Life does not stop. I mean, things go on whether you want them to or not. And I can't imagine the desperation of a mother trying to think, oh, my God, not only am I having my baby in a war zone, but my baby I've got to protect now once it's born into the world into this war zone. It's not easy. And you can see it on the faces of, uh, of, of women who have been you know, left to bear the brunt of this as, as you know, men of fighting age are conscripted into resistance. Um, we saw off a bus last night heading off to Poland and you know, said, how many of you have left a, a husband or you know, boyfriend, something like that, behind? And, and nearly every hand went up. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's very real. And the, the needs are only growing by the day. All right, let's talk about now this 40-mile convoy. Is it getting much closer to Ukraine? The Russians yesterday, we saw the the satellite imagery of it as it was approaching Ukraine. I can only imagine it can't be far. Well, it still hasn't seemed to go anywhere. Uh, it, it, it's almost stuck or slow, and, and we're not quite sure why. We've heard reports that they're having logistical problems with food and fuel. We've heard reports they're having morale trouble, and even that some of the Russian forces may have uh, intentionally, you know, ditched their their vehicles or, or sabotaged the gas tanks so they didn't work and they didn't have to go and do this. There's also some uh, some thought that the Russian troops were told they were going on an exercise, not told that they were, you know, crossing into Ukraine to fight. Ukrainians uh, and and earlier we had heard you know some Russian soldiers were picked up on an uh, intercepted radio communication saying we don't know who to shoot because they all look like us. Wow! And what is the difference? I mean, is it an is it an armband? What it what would tell them who was on their side and who's well, not? Well, I mean the, the 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 uniform colors are slightly different, but they're but it ain't much. Uh, wow. And we've seen these incredible incredible scenes as Russian tanks roll into to cities where they're not wanted of incredibly brave civilians blocking their path and and you know saying you know Russians get out of here uh, and and you know shouting invective about Vladimir Putin and, and it may be startling for the troops to hear if they didn't really know what was you know to become of this operation or uh, more likely if they haven't heard about it, because of the Kremlin control of the messaging. Yeah, and especially if they thought they were just on some exercise. And then all of a sudden they hear, wait a minute, we're at the front line of this war. That would change everything. I mean, as a soldier, you get a directive, and so you get a mindset to go that way. And then if all of a sudden it's changed, and and it's not necess- it's sort of a trickle down, I can't imagine the confusion for the Russian soldiers. Yeah, so we don't know whether they're really having trouble with, with, the, with their troops. So... In, in in that case, though, it's almost as if Russia doesn't need them. You just bombard the place from the air and with missiles, and that's right. 
ultimately what seems to have happened last night anyway, and, and, and that only puts more civilians at risk. The only thing that I can say that would be good if this 40-mile convoy isn't going as quickly or whatever, it's not as imminent, and maybe that will give the Ukrainians a chance to better defend themselves or prepare, I guess, for this. But you're right. If things are coming in from the air, what can you do at that point? Uh, President Zelensky has said that the defense of the capital is now the, the number one priority. Uh, but if you look at where the Russians have made some some advances, it's been in, in other parts of, of the country, in the east especially, and in, in, in the southeast. Uh, that could serve to maybe isolate parts of the Ukrainian army so they can't fall back and, and help protect the capital. So there's still a lot of, of movement and an understanding about what this battle space is going to look like in the days ahead. And what did, if anything, what did President Zelensky say after President Biden's State of the Union? I know the two of them have talked, and uh, was he hopeful after what he heard? I, I don't know. that. Did he comment about it this morning? I mean, he, he, he talked this morning on social media about the difficulty of the night uh, in a number of different Ukrainian cities. Uh, he accused Russia of uh, once again targeting civilians and, and using terror-type tactics. I, I, I think the, the Ukrainians, I mean, it was four in the morning when Biden spoke, so sure. I don't know how, if anybody really paid attention. Um, and but, but I think as long as they, they understand that the U.S. commitment is firm. Um, I did hear one young woman say, you know, it would be good to know, though, that when this is over, whenever that is that the u.s would would come and help us rebuild that's good all right well aaron thank you so much for your time this morning as i always say stay safe and we'll talk to you again tomorrow okay thanks jen thanks see you later abc's aaron katursky i just it's um what do you gain from that what do you glean from that so what they don't have maybe the fuel so maybe they don't have the morale I mean, so many questions go into that, whether or not any of those, you know, rumors become truly founded or not. That's difficult. But even even throwing all those things into the mix, are we seeing once again that maybe the um, sort of shock and awe idea that Putin had going into Ukraine might not be working or that maybe the longevity of the plan wasn't as well thought out as we thought it, it might have been or should have been? Possibly. We'll keep an eye on all that because that's that's some interesting information from Aaron coming out this morning. Some of the other stories we're watching in the KFI 24-hour newsroom. The Orange County Sheriff's Department has released body cam video of deputies struggling with a man and then shooting him in the head after he pulled a gun. Deputies say they were called to a Walmart on Foothill Ranch on January 19th to stop a man and woman from stealing. The woman says the man had $1,000 in cash to pay for merchandise in the cart. Police and Hemet say they're trying to find the person who pushed a 15-year-old boy into traffic. Lieutenant Nate Miller says the boy was on a skateboard Monday afternoon when he was pushed into oncoming traffic and hit by a white Tesla. This caused significant injuries. He was airlifted to a hospital. Thankfully, he's expected to survive, but he is in critical condition. Miller says the boy got into some sort of argument with a group of young people near the intersection of Stetson Avenue and Seven Hills Drive.
KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. This is your Wednesday wake-up call. I'm Jennifer Jones-Lee and our top stories. Of course, it is the latest news on the invasion of Ukraine. Russia has renewed its attack on Ukraine's second largest city with an artillery barrage that just lit up the night above Kharkiv last night. President Zelensky says Russia's bombardment is a terror campaign. And we're keeping an eye on this 40-mile convoy, Russian convoy, that's headed toward Kiev right now. Um, there are concerns that uh, it might be, I guess you wouldn't say it's a concern. It might be a hopeful concern, I guess, that uh, this might not be as eminent of an attack as we thought. As you just heard from Aaron Katursky, apparently they are having food issues. They're having fuel issues. They may be having troop morale issues. So we'll keep an eye on this one as that story unfolds this morning. President Biden also has given his first State of the Union address, and he says 75% of adults in the U.S. are fully vaccinated against COVID-19. And he used the first part of last night's speech to talk about the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. Right now, let's talk some tech with KTLA's tech reporter, Rich DeMuro. You can follow him on social media at Rich on Tech. His website is richontech.tv. Rich, good morning. And even the tech world doesn't escape the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Yeah, in fact, it's been a, a really interesting uh, thing to see because all of the tech companies obviously have uh, some sort of connection to Russia and Ukraine, whether it's a website or whether it's a physical presence or you know their products and services. And so uh, we're seeing so much impact from that. And the latest uh, is Apple. So there's a lot of uh, calls for Apple to kind of stop selling their products in Russia, which uh, they did. They took down their online store. So they're not allowing um, any product sales in Russia. They've stopped all exports to the country. Apple Pay, they stopped uh, or they limited the functionality. So I saw a a picture on Twitter of a lot of uh, Russians trying to get into the subway station and they couldn't because they they couldn't tap to pay their phone. Oh, no kidding. Even that's been suspended. Yeah, I mean, it's really wild when you think about this. uh, You know, you think about back in the day when we had any sort of conflict, it was very limited to the region. But now that we have all these companies, especially the tech companies that do business on a global scale, um, we've seen economic sanctions. But all of the tech companies by themselves have sort of imposed their own, quote unquote, sanctions uh, on Russia. And a lot of them have either blocked the Russian media from propagating outside the country on their platforms or like I said, with uh, you know something like Apple Maps, you know they stopped showing live traffic information uh, in Ukraine because that could be an indicator of how people are fleeing or moving throughout the country, and Russia could of course use that to their advantage. So it was, it's just it's really really wild to watch how the impact of this war on tech. Yeah, and I it, it interests me too how the Russian people are going to respond to this because we know that there's already been a backlash of people saying that they're not interested in this, they don't want. This. They are, you know, crying out against it, Russia invading Ukraine. Now, when this is going to hit them in their everyday lives, and we know it already has with, you know, the value of the ruble, with their stock market crashing, with um, now just their everyday lives, they, oh, yeah. can't, they can't get their AirPods. They can't get no. a charging cord if their computer. I mean, it's it just goes beyond. They can't use their tap to pay. I mean, things that you need in everyday life might not be available to them. And that makes a big difference. Yeah, I mean, we saw Disney shut off, you know, any movies that are going out there. I mean, it's just, they're basically being cut off from the entire world in a way that we have, as humans, become 
so accustomed to using technology. Um, and yeah, the sanctions for other things, you know, financial and this and that is one thing. But when you can't watch Netflix, you can't do basic things, your basic tasks. I mean, um, and Twitter and Facebook, they have all limited sort of the reach of anything Russian. Um, it, it's really, really uh, just fascinating to watch. All right. We're moving into a story about Amazon, but I wanted to bring Amazon up really quickly because I started to think, OK, if I can't get something from the Apple store, what do I do? I go on Amazon and I get some, you know, third party vendor or something like that. If Amazon were to shut down, it's, you know, uh, shipping things to Europe or something like that. Man, that would isolate that country completely when it comes to tech. Oh, absolutely. I'm not sure what Amazon's role is in Russia. Um, I don't know if they have a presence there. I know, it, you know, it's, it, it, Amazon is huge in many parts of the world. Obviously, it's the biggest here in the U.S., but they, you know, in other countries, sometimes they have their own local services. But yeah, that, that would be a big one. Um, but this is uh, here in the U.S., Amazon has launched a new thing called Amazon Luna. And this is a new cloud gaming service, Jennifer. So if you look at the, the the history of gaming, we went from little consoles to, you know, big consoles that sit under our TV. But a lot of people think the future of gaming is in the cloud because you run all of this stuff from a very high-powered server somewhere in a, in a room, but yet it just streams to your TV almost like Netflix. So basically you're playing the game and the Internet connections have gotten fast enough where what you're pressing on that controller can send up to the server, the server responds, and then literally streams the video to your TV screen, but the best part is that this sort of gaming works on any device. Yeah. So Amazon's new Luna service works on Fire TV tablets, Windows PCs, Chromebooks, Macs, iPads. It doesn't even matter how fast the device is because it's just streaming. And that would be ideal because I think that's part of the problem is you buy a gaming system, you know, and they're, gosh, they're up to eight $900, even if you can find one. Sure. And then you have it downstairs, but then you're you're thinking, okay, I, you know, my wife and I want to watch TV downstairs. The kids need to go upstairs, unplug it, send them upstairs with it, that kind of thing. It's not like you're going to have two systems in the house for most no. people. And the clock is ticking on the powerfulness of that system from the day you get it. Yeah. So, you buy it day one uh, in a year or two years. Yeah, they have a couple-year you know, couple lifespan, but the reality is you're always upgrading at some point. It's not going to be able to handle the new games, whereas with the cloud systems, they will be able to handle the new games forever. So Amazon, you know, the prices start at anywhere from like $3 to $10 a month. Uh, there's even one for $18 a month, depending on the types of games. They've got everything from family games to really hardcore, you know, gamer games. And then Prime members get a free selection of games, a rotating selection of games to play every month. So I was able to set this up on my phone last night in about 30 seconds because you log in and then, you, you know, confirm that you're Prime and you can start playing. And so it's, it's really fascinating um, to see that Amazon is getting into the gaming space. And, of course, they run one of the biggest web services, uh, cloud servers in the world. So they're like, yeah, we're pretty good at this stuff. Yeah, exactly. We got this one down. So now let's talk about the thing that I don't think I'm going to have the willpower to do. Although I'm impressed that you did. You're the tech guy. And last year you say you were able to do participate in the National Day of Unplugging. How did you go without your phone for an entire day I would die lots of wine no I'm just kidding <laughs> let's be honest Jennifer there wasn't much going on last March I mean come on I was able to you know so the National Day of Unplugging comes up uh, this Friday it starts at sundown on Friday and then it will go to sundown on Saturday and the idea is to take a break from your phone connect with your family just live stress-free 
from notifications for 24 hours of your life. Yes, it sounds really hard, and it is, because guess what? You use your phone for your calendar, use it to game, use it to keep up with people, text messaging, maps, look up stuff on the Internet, recipes, whatever. But you just go 24 hours without that. Your brain will feel better. Your relationships will feel better. Your sleep will feel better. And I was able to do it, and believe me, Jennifer, I carry around like two or three phones. So I put them all away. And I just connected with my family, and uh, I'm glad it took a year before I have to do it again on this Friday. <laughs> exactly. All right, uh, Rich, I am shipping wine to your house as we speak. And uh, But thank you so much for that. And, uh, you know, I might try, at least at the sundown portion, I like Friday nights, putting yeah. my phone on the charger and being like, all right, I'm done with work right now. Although, now that I am the emergency station for KFI, I kind of got to leave it on. Uh, see, this how is am I work- supposed to escape I know. this, Rich? I know you have a work excuse. You have a, you have a note from your work that says I, I can't participate. <laughs> All right, Rich. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. You got it. See ya. That is KTLA's Rich Demiro. Follow him on social media at Rich on Tech. His website is richontech.tv. You know when um, we were having the discussions of you know hey we're gonna put a studio in your house and you know and and how it would, you know, help the station. And if, you know, overnight something breaks, literally, bam, you know, I'm there. I got it, you know. It sounded like such a great idea and such a great opportunity. Until you really start thinking about it. You are on call 24-7, 365. You're never not on call. I guess unless I'm not home. Maybe that's the key. Maybe I should just be out and about. You know, I, I should I should start a podcast like Jen in SoCal and I'll be in Ventura and oh, something happens. Then what do the dogs take over the broadcast? I don't know. It could be very hairy, you guys. But anyway, so if you wonder, as Handel mentions a lot on Fridays, uh, why I am there, it's because I am literally testing the station's emergency studio every Friday. Got to make sure that thing keeps working, right? KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to this Wednesday. I'm Jennifer Jones-Lee. Thanks so much for being with me. Here's the latest news on the invasion of Ukraine. Ukraine State Emergency Service says over 2,000 civilians have been killed in this first week of war. Now, the Associated Press, ABC News are all scrambling to confirm that number. But if it's coming out of Ukraine State Emergency Service, you have to assume that they know more. Right. And so that is the official number coming from Ukraine this morning. L.A. County Health Director Barbara Ferrer says she's waiting for the CDC to rate the county's risk level so she can order an end to indoor masking. And she told the Board of Supervisors the county's not yet ready to go with the state's new health order, which lifted most indoor masking yesterday. And a car crashed into an apartment building in Long Beach Two people, including a child, were hurt as the car went through the wall and into a unit last night just before 1030. The driver fled the scene. 
5.53, we'll talk with ABC's Ike Jachi about Russia-Ukraine, gas prices, inflation, the border, funding cops, all of the themes that stuck out of the President's State of the Union address last night. But right now, welcome back to Wake Up Call Infectious Disease, Dr. Simone Wilds from South Shore Health in Weymouth, Massachusetts. Dr. Wilds, good morning to you. Are we emerging from the COVID-19 woods? Good morning, Jen. I would say that we are definitely getting ourselves, picking ourselves up, crawling out and getting to a better place. Uh, I feel very excited that we're in a different place um, compared to where we were a few weeks ago, where we were in the midst of a surge. Now we're easing the mask um, guidance. I mean, you see people walking around without their mask. I feel like there's a new day coming. And I think that the the only concern that the tiny little gray cloud that hangs out over there is this new Omicron subvariant that seems even more contagious, I guess, than we were seeing with Omicron. Yes, Jen, there is the, the new um, subvariant, the B2. Um, we do know it's more contagious. But, you know, what we have found, it doesn't seem to cause as much severe illness as the uh, initial Omicron variant so far. And the other good news is, you know, we have a lot of people vaccinated and boosted, and uh, that has really helped um, in making sure that we don't have the significant spikes that we saw with the original Omicron. And I would think that if somebody is vaccinated and boosted, even knowing that this subvariant is out there, they're going to feel comfortable taking off their mask. They're going to feel comfortable getting back into some sort of routine of normalcy because they're going to feel protected. Yes, and that is true. And one other thing that I want to add to that is if you happen to be vaccinated and boosted and you got infected, your immunity is very strong. And so the odds of you being reinfected are very low. Oh, that is good news. Okay, I know that ABC News and the Washington Post recently did this uh, poll that said even though Americans are going to be allowed to get back to some sort of normalcy, and mostly they were talking about, you know, taking off masks and things like that, that there are still a lot of people who are like, you know, I don't think I'm quite ready to drop these COVID restrictions. Even though I can, I may still wear a mask. I may still do the six feet social distancing, that sort of thing. So maybe even though you get the opportunity to do it, have we all sort of had this um, drumbeat, I guess, that we've been marching to for so long now, for a couple of years, that we've decided, you know, maybe that is kind of um, weaving into a new normal for us? Yes, Jenny. You know, I've had a lot of patients and even friends say they're not ready to take their mask off. And one of the things we tell people, you know, we are not saying you absolutely, you know, we are all going to get there eventually. But if it's taking you a little more time um, to get your mask off, that's okay. You know, as we would say, there's no shame in to wearing your mask. The key thing is that, you know, if you are as an individual in a county or place where the numbers are low, it is okay to take your mask off. But I don't think we should point fingers at those who are still a little reluctant. And also, we don't know what people's underlying medical conditions are that puts them at higher risk. Absolutely. Nobody knows what goes on underneath somebody else's skin. That's for sure. I was surprised this weekend. I spent the weekend with my nephews and they're six and eight and they wore masks everywhere. It was so normal to them. And I started thinking, you know, the the six-year-olds have had masks on since they were four. This is the life that they know. And for them, wearing a mask seemed as normal as putting on their shoes. 
Absolutely. And I will say, Jen, I have a daughter who continues to wear a mask at home, even though I told her she doesn't have to. I feel, you know, they've gotten so used to wearing masks at school that they think it's like an everyday thing, a normal routine for them. So it is going to take some work um, to get some of the children out to the mask. And a lot of other parents are experiencing the same thing. Absolutely. Dr. Wilds, it was nice to talk to you again. I hope we do it again soon. Yes, take care. Be safe. Thanks. You too. See you later. That is infectious disease Dr. Simone Wilds from South Shore Health in Weymouth, Massachusetts. I did think it was interesting, though. The the boys were like, you know, we'd go into a restaurant and, you know, mom and dad and I and my brother and his wife, everybody took their masks off. And the boys sat there with their masks on like as the waiter was coming around. And it just, it was fascinating to me that this is just normal to them. That's ordering a pepperoni pizza to them. It means not, they didn't think one way or the other about it. And I sort of liked that because even though a couple of times I did hear Auntie Jenny put your mask on, and normally it was in places I needed a mask and didn't know it, uh, they, they, they noticed nothing about whether we had masks on or not at the table. And I I just, I kind of liked that innocence about it because I know you know people who mask shame one way or the other, either for not wearing or for wearing. And it's just ridiculous. And kids, eh, it's just part of everyday life. Gotta put my socks on, gotta put my mask on, eh, whatever. I don't know. I I do like what Dr. Wilde said. It's gonna take some people a little bit longer. Who cares? Who cares if the guy next to you in the store has a mask on or not? And he doesn't have to. Does it hurt you any? No. Does it make him feel better? Sure. Does that harm you that that guy feels better? No. It's just ridiculous. All right. Let's get back to some of these other stories coming out of the KFI 24-hour newsroom. LA County Health Director Barbara Ferrer says she's waiting for the CDC to rate the county's risk level so she can order an end to most indoor masking. She says there'll be some exceptions. Masks are required for everyone who uses public transit. For all of those in emergency shelters, healthcare settings, correctional initiatives. I think the one thing when he was talking about the 60 million uh, barrels of oil that were coming out of the reserves to help us, I think I think the the thing it sounds good if you think about it on paper, but we use almost 20 billion barrels a day, so that's only about three days worth. I thought that you know while he had some great ideas, how they were going to the longevity of those ideas, whether it be the fight in Congress or whether it be that it was simply just a Band-Aid literally for a few days. I I think a a lot of people were wanting more to see behind those plans. And that was some of the uh, uh, qualms that were raised with the Republican response. They were saying that, uh, you know, they were blaming President Biden not only for his spending for inflation, but like, as you said, not doing enough to really address these gas, uh, these rising fuel prices. And we have to understand these rising fuel prices they're going to do a lot more than set the prices at the pump. Uh, obviously, we know Russia and Ukraine. Uh, Russia is integral in supplying not only Europe with natural gas, but the, the America. We buy. We still are buying several hundred thousands of barrels from Russia every single day. But it's important to know, and I really want to make this. This is also going to affect food prices. Um, here's two reasons why: Russia and Ukraine. They make up 30% of the world's wheat exports. And also natural gas. Natural gas is a huge component for fertilizer, which we know is a crucial item in the agricultural industry. But President Biden said this is a chance for uh, for sparing uh, 
uh, uh, just new industries coming together in the United States in terms of possibly uh, fertilizer uh, production ramping up here in the States. But in the short term, you're going to see that those effects really hit prices in the grocery store, something that the president really didn't offer much of an answer to uh, in last night's State of the Union address. Ike, thank you so much for your time. We'll do it again soon. Thanks for having me. All right, see you later. That's ABC's Ike Jachi. This is KFI and KOSTHD2 Los Angeles. I'm Jennifer Jones-Lee. This has been your wake-up call. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.